Well, good morning. It's a joy and a privilege to be with you. We come from Knoxville, Tennessee, which is God's country. And um, so we, uh, we left God's country to come down here to, to minister with, to you this morning. But it is a joy and a privilege. We, we love Brother Rocky. We've known him for some time and just love watching uh, the ministry here that God is doing in, in this mess. We, we, we count it a privilege to, to be with you this morning. Uh, for all those that are in the military that raised their hand that are in this room, I just want to say thank you. Uh, from one veteran to another, I love you. I love each and every one of you. Uh, you guys are heroes to me. Uh, sometimes people say, well, you know, you served in the military, but equally I serve with uh, these men. I serve with all branches of service. Now, we love to give each other a hard time. Uh, I'm a Marine, but and my dad's in the Army, so yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we love to we love to we love to give each other a hard time. Uh, the army they call us jarheads. I don't know why. I don't know why. Uh, but we the navy they love to remind us in the Marine Corps that uh, they're a department of the navy. But we love to remind them that we're the men's department. Amen. <laughs> we love to we love to give each other a hard time. But the truth be known, we're all one on the battlefield. We're all together. I've served with every branch of service, uh, served with uh, all the branches of service in, in combat outside of the Coast Guard, but also did some stuff with them as well, um, doing some training stuff on the East Coast. Um, so I, I love every branch of service uh, and thank God for your service. I also thank God for, for you men that are in this room and women that may be going through some things. A lot of times you come back from war and those kind of things and people say, hey, just get over it. You know, you're back, you're safe. There's some things you see that you can never unsee. Some things that you go through that a person's never, never made to go through. Um, God didn't intend us to see some of the things that we saw. But because of sin and because of this world, we've had to see and do things that nobody else needs to see or do. But you can't just get over it. And I want you to know that uh, to, it, it's not uh, a bad thing to reach out for help. If you need help, reach out for help, and um, there is help out there that you can get assistance um, if you're struggling with things of war and combat. But I'm, I'm, I'm excited to share a message with you this morning. Love came down. My prayer's been that love will come down in this room this morning to each person in each seat, and God will just turn your life upside down. If you have your copy of scripture, let me invite you to turn to the book of Psalm, Psalm chapter 40. We're going to look at three verses in particular this morning, Psalm chapter 40, verses 1 through 3. Psalm chapter 40, verses 1 through 3. The psalmist David says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me, and he heard my cry, and he also brought me up out of the pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, and he established my steps. He's put a new song in my mouth, praise be to God. Many people will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. Let us pray. Father, I pray that you will bless the reading and the preaching of your word this morning. I pray that you'll do what only you can do. Change hearts 
and change lives. Draw your people unto you, Lord, and we'll give you all the praise and honor and glory. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. We, we must first realize here who we're dealing with. Who's, who's speaking here? Who, who, who are we talking about in these scriptures? The one that we're talking about, his name is David. We're very familiar with David. David was one who we know as a shepherd boy. You know, we know that he was a shepherd, but we also know that he was a giant killer. We love studying about David and Goliath. You hear, you probably heard about it from vacation Bible school. You heard it from a child growing up about David, the, the, the little shepherd boy coming against the mighty Goliath, this giant, this big foe. We also know him as a great musician. We get a lot of the Psalms from, from him. And, and if you love music, man, you love the Psalms and you, you love David and you love his heart for music. But also we know him as a king. We know him as a king, the, the king of Israel, a mighty man of valor and a, and a mighty man of faith. We also know him as a man after God's own heart. And I, I love that because that's not a, a phrase or a nickname that was given by man. That was a name that was given by God. You see, it's one thing for me to say, hey, Rocky's a great man of God. He's a, he's a great preacher, and he may appreciate that, but it would be a whole nother thing for God to say it. Amen? It's one thing for what man says about you. It's a whole nother level what God thinks about you. Let me just take a time out and say here, listen, we, we don't need to worry about what people say. We need to worry about what God says, what his word says, what he thinks, what he says about us. And let me tell you, it doesn't matter if no one stands with you. If you stand alone, long as you're standing with God, you're going to be okay. Amen? I, I think God, that he says he's a man after God's own heart. But here in this scripture, we don't see greatness. We, we don't see the mountaintop experience. As a matter of fact, we find David in a pit. You, you say, well, this, this was a great shepherd. This was a great king. This was a great musician. This was a man after God's own heart. How in the world can he be in a pit? Can I just say to you this morning, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter your background, it doesn't matter your position, you can be a deacon, you can be a pastor, you can be a musician, you can be all those things, but you're not above falling into a pit. And sometimes we think, think that we've arrived, that we've come to a place that we're above falling. Let me tell you something, if, if a man who God says is a man after God's own heart, if, if he can fall into a pit, there's not a person in this room that can fall. You can fall. You must realize that. And, and sometimes when we find ourselves in a, in a pit, we, say, we, say, we try to hide it. We don't want anyone to know because of who we are. You know, people know me as a man of God. People know me as a position, a high position. But let me tell you something. There is no one who is above falling. Doesn't matter if he has a mic in the front or in the back, a position, no matter who it is, they can fall. Because if David can fall, I believe anyone can fall. And David fell. And great was his fall. We, we find here in the scripture that the Bible says that he's in a pit. Now, what kind of pit is this? The, the first thing we see that it was, a, it was a pit of sin. 
You say, well, how do you know that? Well, if you was to, to get it in context and you was to back up and you was to go to Psalm chapter 38, David, David talks about this pit. Psalm chapter 38 and verse 3 is just, just a page over. Listen to what he says in verse 3 and 4. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your anger, nor any health in my bones. Why? Because of my sin. Whose sin? My sin. Whose sin? My sin. That's very important because a lot of times we want to blame our faults and our failures on someone else. It's someone else's fault. It's her fault. It's his fault. It's the other people's fault. And sometimes we'll even take it as far as to say it's God's fault. But here he owns it. He said it's because my sin. Continue reading at verse 4. For my iniquities have gone over my head. What David is saying to us this morning, listen, he is in a pit that he can't get out of. He, he, it's done got greater than he is. It's over his head. Have you been there before? Where sin just kept growing and growing and growing. The book of James, when it, when it talks about the dangers of temptation and, and the dangers of sin, it, it starts real small, but then it, it grows, it grows. And, and we know the pathway of sin leads to destruction. The pathway of sin leads to death. Sin doesn't advertise that. Sin doesn't advertise. It, it, it advertises the pleasures and the luxurious and the fun and all those kind of things. But it never says this road is leading to destruction and death. But that's exactly where sin leads to. It grows. It starts small. But then it grows. It did for David. It started small. But then it grew. And now he's found himself in a pit of sin that's over his head. And when it gets over your head, you can't get out of it on your own. Not only is he in a pit of sin, but he's also in a pit of depression. You know, that's what sin does. It's depressing. We live in the most depressed society of all time, I believe. We, with the most medicated, the most depressed, the most anxious, the mo most worrisome time of all time we live in right now. In the time that we live. You know what I think it all points back to? Sin. It does. When we get our eyes off of Jesus, we worry. When we get our eyes off of Jesus, we're anxious. The Bible tells us to be anxious of nothing, but pray for everything. That we keep our eyes on him lest we fall. Well, how do you know that he was in a pit of depression? Well, the Bible says in verse 6 there, I am troubled. I, I am bowed down greatly. I go into mourning all day long, for my loins are full of inflammation, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and severely broken. I groan because of the turmoil in my heart. Can you hear the, 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 the depression of the psalmist David? Now, if you've ever read the psalms, you, you hear the joy, the excitement, the love, the, 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 the purpose the praise, it, it, just, it just exuberates out of who David is. But here in chapter 38, you don't get that feeling anymore. You, you see that he's in a pit of sin. And he's in a pit of depression. And he's just pouring out his heart. 
Listen, he says there's not even any soundness in my flesh. He goes into mourning all day long. You know, it kind of feels like when you don't want to get out of bed on a Monday. You don't want to go through the motions and go through life just because all that you've been through and and all that's going on in, in your world and in your life. And it can lead to a dark place. It can lead to a depressed place. Now, I guarantee you in a room this size with with this many folks in one place, there are many people that's living in a pit of depression this morning. This morning, you've let the worries of the world just continue to take over. There's, there's, There's many people in this room this morning that's living in a pit of sin. They may look nice. They may have to be, be dressed real well this morning. But let me tell you something. You can't cover up what's on the inside. You may to everyone in this room, but to God, he sees and he knows. And that's what really matters. That's what really matters today. I've been there before. How about you? There's not a person in here that hasn't battled with sin. It's not a person in here that hasn't been through a season of depression because of the life in this world that we live in. It's not a person in here that's not found them into a, themselves in a pit that they can't get out of. I tell you, I, I wish I could stand up here this morning and say, I've got my life together. You know, everything's always good. It's always been good. But that's not the truth. If you see my life anything good, it's all because of Jesus Christ. If my life looks like it's all together, it's because Christ is holding me together. It's all because of him. And I thank God for that. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you this morning. I'm going to tell you some things about me that most people would never tell about themselves. But I'm telling you about me because I want to expose. I want to expose those things to you so it may expose in your life the things that you need to make right with God. David did it. You know, most people would say, why did God put that in there? You said he was a man after God's own heart, but why'd you put the bad stuff? Why, why'd you put the ugly stuff? I'll tell you why. Because we live in an ugly, broken, sinful world that's desperately in need of a Savior. And if we, if we didn't need him, what would be the use for him? But we need him. We depend on him. God called me to preach when I was in high school. And I answered that call. I said yes to God. Right out of high school, I went to Southeastern Seminary in Wake Forest, which was not far from my house. And I drove there each day and was going there to learn and be trained in my calling. The whole time I was there, I believe the the, the enemy was fighting. Did not want me to, to follow through with the calling that was on my life. And I'll be honest with you, I struggled. I I walked in those classrooms day after day, and everyone in there seemed smarter than me. They they seemed like they had it all together. They seemed like they were, well, they really seemed like they were perfect. And I knew me. I knew I wasn't perfect. I knew I was struggling. I knew I was having a hard time. And I just kept telling myself, I'm not good enough. There's no way I can do it. Not only that, my dad's a pastor, a really good one, one who says it with his lips but also lives it with his life. 
I'd seen it my whole life growing up, and I I would begin to compare myself. You know comparison's the thief of joy. I began to compare myself. I said, I could never do that. I could never be like him. I could never preach that good. And I I kept listing all the things of why I can't do it. Then 9-11 happened. Y'all remember 9-11? We were attacked, and the Twin Towers fell. I was on the campus of Southeastern Seminary, and I was watching it from the big TV that was in the foyer. And I called my mom and I said, I'm going to war. I'm signing up for the Marine Corps. And she said what every other parent in this room would say, no, you're not. (laughs) I wanted to serve my country, but I'll just be honest with you, just transparent. I wanted a way out. I saw myself as a failure. I said, God can't use a guy like me. But how do you get out when everybody knows that you're called to preach? I mean, you know, your, your church is cheering you on. Your dad's a pastor. How do you get out? Well, you sign up for the military during wartime. Nobody's going to question it. They're going to say, hurrah, go ahead. And they'll champion you on and cheer you on. But listen, God has still called me to preach. Even though I was doing a good thing, listen, you can do a good thing that's not a God thing. How many of you know you can do a good thing that's not a God thing? I believe God orchestrates the steps of every man and woman. I believe that he has a purpose and a plan for each life. Even when we stray away, even though when we walk in our own plan, he uses things for good, for his glory. But yet he still has a defined plan for each one of our lives. And I kind of walked away from that divine plan. Even though I was doing a good thing, it's not the God thing that he had the call on my life. Well, I joined the military. I was in the, in the Marine Corps. And in 2006, my life was forever changed. I was serving in Fallujah, Iraq. And um, a shot rang out that forever changed my life. I was hit in the chest by a 7.62 armor piercing round. From an enemy sniper. And as I laid in the streets there in in Iraq. I didn't care how much money I had. I I didn't care about popularity. I didn't care about anything. The only thing I cared about that that I didn't know if I was going to live or die. If I was going to stand before God. But one thing I did know I wasn't ready. And and, and in the laying there on my back. I remember praying to God, Lord, if you'll just spare my life, just spare my life, I'll I'll answer your call. I'll go where you call. I'll preach where you call me to do. I'll do what you've, you've called me to do. So I felt like I took a step forward and the Lord did spare my life. I'm a, I'm a miracle today. I say this all the time. If you don't believe in God, look at me. I'm a walking, talking miracle. How many of you know someone who was shot in the chest by a 7.62 armor piercing round and lived to tell about it? I don't. Because it don't happen. But God had a plan. God spared my life. And maybe he spared my life to bring me here this morning to share this message with you. You say, you believe God would do something like that? I do believe God would do something like that. I was in the hospital there in in Fallujah, and it wasn't a hospital like you have 
here. You didn't have no TV. You didn't have all those kind of things and the luxuries that you have here. You really had nothing in a tent in the desert. The only time my, my platoons ever, I was in a mobile assault platoon and we didn't operate on a base. We, we were our base. We were always off base. They would airdrop us supplies. I saw a chaplain one time, the whole time I was there, and his, his vehicle got hit by an improvised explosive device, a roadside bomb, and I never saw a chaplain again. He just didn't operate where we were. And so the only time we got to go to a base was when we were injured or our vehicles got blew up by a roadside bomb and we had to get repairs. Well, it just so happened one of my Marines, his, his vehicle got hit by a roadside bomb and had blew out the tires and, and, and different things and it needed different repairs. And so he was coming in to get repairs on his Humvee. And he knew that I'd been shot. He knew that he was going to have the possibility of seeing me. And so he bought a watermelon from an Iraqi to bring me. Now, I don't know about you. He was from Murfreesboro, Tennessee. But I do know something about South Carolina folk because I am one originally. We love watermelon. Especially with a little salt sprinkled on top of it. If you've not tried that, you're missing out. But he was going to make my day. He, he brought me some watermelon and he came in and we had a good time. And now I remember him saying to me, he was a Lance Corporal, I was a Corporal, and he said, Corporal Blair, he said, you're the man. He said, I, I think you're Superman. He said, you know you're a miracle? I said, yeah, I know I'm a miracle. He said, man, you're going to have a story to tell. He, and I remember these words, and I'll, I'll never forget it. He said these words to me. He said, you are the luckiest man alive. And every person in this room knows what I should have said next. But I didn't. I'd love to say, hey man, it wasn't luck that saved me. It was the Lord that saved me. But I didn't. We ate our watermelon and he went along his way. Just a few days later, he was shot by a sniper and was killed instantly. Exactly one week after the day that I was shot, he was shot, and he was killed. And I never told him about Jesus. And I'll be honest with you. It was like another step back. It's like, man, you take a step forward, and you take another step back. You try to do good. You try to honor the Lord, and, and then you fail again. Again. I mean, God spared your life, son, and, and you failed to open your mouth and share the greatest thing that ever happened to you? What a failure you are. I'll just be honest with you. That's how I felt. I felt like a failure. I, I really feel like I felt like David did. I brought this ladder today to maybe, in, in a sense, give you a, a visual of what I'm talking about. You know, David, 
was a great man. Shepherd boy, he honored his family. The Bible says, honor your father and mother. He, he honored his family. He, he would take the rations out to the battlefield and, and he would give that to his brothers. He, would, he honored his home and did what he was told to do. When he got there, he saw a, a, a giant Philistine who was mocking the almighty God. And everybody else was just listening to it and, and, and watching it happen and just standing by, just being real passive. And David says, hey, why aren't we doing something? Why do we allow this to happen? And nobody else wanted to do something. And he said, hey, if nobody else is going to do something, I'll do something. They begin to try to make it his own way and, and put on this armor and say, hey, no, I'm, I'm going to do it God's way. I'm going to be who God called me to be. You know, I'm just a shepherd boy with a sling and a stone. I'll just do, use the abilities that God has given me. He, he's given me abilities before. I, I believe he'll do it again. And he just trusts God. The Bible tells us, man, that he, that he, he slew the giant. Lopped off his head. That wasn't the end of his struggles. But, man, that was a, a great, mighty victory that the Lord gave him. Then we know that Saul got jealous. Remember, Saul got his eyes off of Jesus and got his eyes on David. And when you do that, you'll find yourself in a pit of sin. You'll, you'll, you'll find yourself in a pit of depression. And, and Saul was a mighty man of faith, called by God to do great things. And he did. But when he got his eyes off of God, he began to fall. And David probably should have, could have, in our eyes, probably should have killed Saul many times. Because Saul was trying to kill him, right? Do unto others. Get him back. Revenge. Save your own life. But he chose to honor God instead. And he, he spared Saul's life because he knew that the Lord didn't want him to do that. So he kept honoring God. He gets his name, the man after God's own heart. Man, it's just awesome what he's doing. But then he's in the wrong place at the wrong time. How many of you know when you're in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people, you're going to end up doing wrong things? You can mark it down every single time. So he finds himself at home. The Bible says that he was at, during the time of battle. He's supposed to be on the battlefield, but he's at home. He's supposed to be with his men, but he's at home. And he finds himself on top, of, in, on top of the house, and he's looking down on Bathsheba taking a bath. And you should have already known that should have been a dead giveaway right there. The name should have gave it away, Bathsheba taking a bath. I mean, the Lord just put it in bright lights, and he, he, he still fell. And one look, look how small. Went to one lust, which went to lies and adultery and murder. The man after God's own heart has murdered someone. I'm sure David's found himself in a pit. Such a great fall. Such a great fall. How did you find yourself here so quickly? I can relate. 
God called me to preach. I answered the call. I went to seminary. I did a good thing. I, I was going to join the military, uh, the military, but that's not what God had for me. When I got shot, I recognized that I, I needed God, and I cried out to him, which was a good thing. You know, moving forward. Then God gives me an opportunity to share his faith right there, right after, when everything is fresh and everything's on my mind, and I just failed. Sometimes our faith, we feel like it's almost like Simon says, right? You know, Jesus says, and just do what Jesus says, and you'll climb your ladder. But then you do things that Jesus didn't say to do. And you know when you do things that, that Simon does, doesn't say, what happens? You're out. And you feel like you're, you're out. And I'm sure there's people in this room that's felt the same way. You tried to work yourself to God. You tried to work yourself up. You tried to be good enough. You, you tried to do the right things. And, and maybe you've just got to the point where you're just saying, I'm out. I'll never be able to obtain that kind of faith. This is exactly where David is. This is exactly where I've been. And I'll be honest with you. Not only does it feel like you're trying your best to work your way up, but also you feel like there's an enemy at the top. That every time you get close to doing something right, he's pushing you down. He's keeping you from what God's called you to do. And you feel like you'll never make it here. Can I be honest with you? You were never intended on making it here. You see, God didn't call us to work our way up. The Bible doesn't say here that David found a ladder and he got himself out. Matter of fact, the Bible says he couldn't get out. So he cried out. I love that he, he cried out to God. And the Bible says, listen, the Bible says that he inclined to him. Do you know what that word inclined means? That word literally means that he came down to where he was. I remember, and I'll just be honest with you, anytime I share, share my testimony, it's never easy. Because every time I share it, I got to relive it. I would never share it unless it bring glory to God. So I want you to know, I'm struggling to share this with you this morning. I remember before I got on the bus to go over to Iraq, there was an elderly man leaning against a cane right before each one of us Marines got onto that bus. 
I didn't know who he was. I've never saw him ever again. But I still remember his face even to this day. And if I ever see him again, I'm going to thank him. But he was what we call a Gideon. You ever heard of those guys? They believe so much in the Word of God that if they can get the Word of God in your hand, that maybe the Word of God will get into you, and if the Word of God gets into you, it's going to change your life. They just believe it enough. And he was standing there right by that bus door, and he's handing these little testaments out to every single Marine. You know, I was raised in church. I was son of a pastor. I was, I was in Bible college. I didn't need a Bible. These other guys probably need a Bible. Well, I didn't need a Bible. I didn't realize how, just how much I needed it. I took that Bible and I put it in my left breast pocket. And as I was laying in that, that hospital room, wounded, depressed, I felt like a failure. How could God ever use a guy like me? Well, I don't know who made those little Testament Bibles. They put the whole New Testament in there, but not the whole Old Testament. But for some reason, maybe just for me, they put the Psalms in there. I begin, I remember that Bible there, and I reached over to my camis and just hoping that it was still there. I didn't have no TV, didn't have nobody to talk to, and I, I pulled out that little Testament Bible, and I, and I opened it up, and I just began to read. And I got to Psalm 40, talking about David in this pit. And I'm like, that's where I am. That's me right there. The Bible says that David cried out. And the Bible says that, that the Lord inclined to him. He came down to him. He heard his cry. And he came down to, to where David was. But he didn't just come down to leave him there. He didn't say, hey, you messed up, buddy. You were a man after God's own heart. I was going to use you. I, I made you a king. But no more. I can't use you again. No. The Bible says he inclined to him and he heard his cry and he brought him up out of the pit, out of the miry clay, and he set his feet upon a rock. Y'all know what a rock is? That's a foundation. You know when you start building a foundation? When you're building something brand new. He's going to do a new work in David's life, and he's going to give him something solid to stand upon. He said, I'm going to set your feet upon a rock. I'm going to establish your steps. Listen, God had a purpose for him. How do you have a purpose for a guy who's lied and lusted and committed adultery and committed murder? Because love came down. And in our sin, yet while we were sinners, God in his grace and his mercy and love saw people like you 
and me. And in his great love, sent his only begotten son down to a world that was crippled in sin, down to a world where he had no place to lay his head, down to a world where he didn't have a throne or a reputation, down to a throne where he'd be mocked and spit upon and beaten and ridiculed and tied to a whipping post and beat unrecognizably as the book of Isaiah says, and they would take him and mount a cross upon his back and take him up Calvary's hill. They would nail nails through his hands, nails through his feet. They would pierce his side and he would die. They would put him down in a grave. He would go in the depths of the earth. But three days later, he rose again, victorious over death, hell, in the grave. So he could rise you up today out of the ashes, out of the pits of sin, out of the pits of depression and give you new life. He came down for you. But today you got to recognize where you are, no matter who you are, and cry out to God. He's the only one that can save you. Nothing else will get you out of the pit but Christ alone. I ask you to bow your heads all across this room. Maybe you're in this room today and you say, I know this message was for me. I don't know what pit you're in today, but I do know the God who rescues you. He wants to bring you up out of the pit. I wouldn't embarrass you for nothing in the world, but if you say, Pastor B, I'm, I'm, I'm in a pit this morning. Would you pray for me? Would you just lift your hand up right where you are? Right up where you are? Yes. Hands all over the room. Just be honest. You know, the first thing is being honest. Amen. You can put them down. I need to ask you a very serious question that means the world to me. Because I, I've realized that life is so short. It truly is a vapor. Today may be your last day. And that's not to play on your emotions. That, that's to play on reality. Until you face the reality of how short life is, you'll never take it seriously. But I, I'm here to tell you today, listen, today's the day. If you've been putting it off, if you've been waiting for the right time, the right time's right now. You're here right now for this moment and this time. If you're in this room, listen, I'm not asking you if you prayed a prayer. I'm not asking you if you've been baptized. This is the question I'm asking you. If you stood before a holy and righteous God today, you stood before him face to face, would he know you and would you know him? Do you have a real relationship with a real God? I'm not talking about playing church. I'm not talking about doing the religious thing. I'm talking about a real relationship. Do you know him? Not 99%, not 98%. I'm talking 100% today. I wouldn't embarrass you for nothing. But I do want to pray with you. If you can't answer that question this morning, say, I, I don't really know that I know that I know today. Would you just lift your hand up right where you are? I don't know. Just be honest. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I stood before God. Amen, sir. Amen, ma'am. Amen. Amen, sir. Just wave it right where I can see it. I just want to lock eyes with you. 
Anyone else? Yes, I see you, bud. Yes. Yes, ma'am. I'm not sure. Not 100% sure. Listen, there's people getting honest, and I know there's somebody in here. You're fighting it. You're fighting it for whatever reason. Because of your position, because of your popularity, because of who you are. You're fighting it this morning. But listen, just give in. Just give in the freedoms when you get out. If you don't know, just lift your hand up this morning. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Anyone else? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Anyone else? This morning, loves came down. It's going to rescue a lot of people in this room today. Not me, not Rocky, not the band, but Jesus and Christ alone. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that Christ is risen from the dead, you shall be saved. So right now, from your heart to God's heart, right now, from your heart to God's heart, would you cry out as David did? Would you cry out as I did? Would you just say something like this? Dear Jesus, I'm in a pit. I can't get out on my own. And I've recognized that this morning. And I'm crying out for you to save me. To change me. Lord, I I want a new life in you. I believe that you sent your son to die for us. That you rose again to give me life eternal. And today, today, I give you my life. I confess you as Lord and master. In Jesus' name I pray.